stuff. And, and uh, I came across something that a good friend of ours, uh, Pastor Bill Bennett, who serves in an apostolic role in our church from South Africa, that he, uh, he wrote. And I don't know if anybody, if anybody saw it, but I did. And I just thought it was so, so amazing, just a little short thing he wrote about what we're celebrating today. And he wrote this. He says, I love the resurrection. I live because of the resurrection. But he goes on and says, but I am awed and undone by the cross. Unimaginable darkness was met by unstoppable love and love won. He died for us that we could live for him. And I just, I just loved what he wrote down, that unmanageable darkness was met by unstoppable love. And that's what we read about in the Gospels. That's what we proclaim. That's what we preach. That that day that seemed to be so dark on that Friday, so unimaginable what happened and the, and the pain and the all that Christ went through, and it seemed like that all the hopes of so many were dashed that day. But we didn't see the other side of the, the, the love of God that could not be stopped and the love of God that prevailed and that we hear the rest of the story. And uh, that's a little bit what I want to share today. Um, these two events, the cross and the empty tomb, within these three days, really, if you look at history, it is the centerpiece of history. You know, there's, there was so many amazing people that have done historic things in, in throughout generations, but really, Jesus Christ is the center he is the center point of all of history and what he did and what we proclaimed this morning and what we live for. He is that centerpiece of history. And so these three days of the cross and the empty tomb proclaims so much. And we want to talk about that today. So, so uh, can we just take a moment and pray together? And uh, I, I would really appreciate if you all would be praying for me this, for me this morning. As I share, uh, if you pray for me, we probably will get out of here by 12 o'clock, okay? If you don't pray for me, I can't guarantee when we're going to go home, okay? So just a little encouragement for prayer this morning, okay? <laughs> All right. Heavenly Father, we join together our hearts. We join together, Lord God, our, our collective joy in this place, our love, because it all comes from you. And we praise you this morning. We thank you, Father, that our eyes would be enlightened, our hearts would be enlarged. And, Father, we would just capture everything that you want to speak to us today. Father, I thank you. No matter where we are at in our lives, God, you are greater than everything. And, God, that you're victorious over everything, Father. So, God, we step into that today. Father, we refuse to be intimidated by the enemy. We refuse to be intimidated by the circumstances of life because we know that you are above all those things. And we know that because we believe upon you, you are our Savior, you are our Lord, we are in you, God, that we are also, as you say in the Scripture, we are seated in heavenly places with Christ. So we thank you this morning. We give you praise. Amen. All right. You know, I don't know my I don't know how many Easter's that I have preached a bunch over the years. And I've preached a lot on the cross and I've preached a lot on the resurrection, the empty tomb. But I don't think I've ever preached something like I'm going to preach today. And uh of really looking at that although each what each stood for the crucifixion when Jesus said it is finished, what did he really mean by that? And with the empty tomb, when the women that morning came upon the empty tomb and the angel told them that Christ is not here, he is risen, what was the, what was the, the message really 
that just was proclaimed from that moment. Each moment, the cross, the empty tomb, cannot exist by itself. They are forever intertwined. That the cross would just be a tragic death. That's what it would have been. But was it for the empty tomb? It was it for the resurrection. The resurrection, as glorious as it was, and we don't understand what happened at the cross, it, it, we, 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 we failed to capture the full meaning of what we are coming together today for, while we're here, while we're celebrating that He is our risen Lord and Savior. Amen? So we want to talk about that. We want to talk about the, that this thing that is captured in all the four Gospels, this moment of the crucifixion and the resurrection, it's amazing if you if you I know there are certain certain Bibles that have that have each each of the uh, you could examine the Gospels side by side. It's really cool to be able to do that. And uh, you know I I probably have preached from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John about Easter in the past, and uh, each each of are are an amazing declaration of the message that happened through Christ. If you look at each of it, each one, in Matthew's gospel, Mark's, Luke's, and John, they, they, they reveal something a little bit different. Not to change the story of the cross and the empty tomb, but something that is brought out a little bit. Every one that's a little bit different. So when you're able to read all of them together, I tell you, they just they, they give a total picture uh, of that moment, that day, that historic event. And I want to take I want us to look uh, in John chapter nineteen. That's where I want to take a just take the uh, my text from this morning. John chapter nineteen, verse twenty eight through thirty. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you don't. Uh, it'll be up on the screen here, and thank you, Manny and Zach up there so much. Appreciate it. It is said this passage, which is toward the end of John 19, it says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now, we could just stop there and preach on that, those two words, I thirst, because it, it contains so much, but we're not going to do that this morning, okay? So we're going to talk about something different, but he says, I thirst. Now, a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled the sponge with sour wine and put it on hyssop and put it to his mouth, so that when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said this, it is finished, and bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Have you ever thought about if it was would ever be possible that somehow you traveled in time and you could have witnessed this moment and the gathering of people there, many that just came to see another crucifixion, many that just, when something like that happens, they gravitate towards something like that, that would have walked upon the scene and noticed that, on either side of Jesus was two thieves, two criminals. And I'm sure they would, because basically those that would crucify that, that day were something that had broken the law. They were criminals or whatever. I'm sure they would have thought maybe, well, it's just another criminal, another person that broke the law that had to be put to death. And I'm sure that as they watched it and, and not knowing of maybe of his who he was or his ministry or that he was a son of God, that when he said he was finished, they probably really just thought, well, he was talking about his life. It's over. And uh, uh, knowing that he was near to death, he just said, it's finished. And they probably would have walked away that day thinking another unfortunate person dying, Another person that maybe if someone had got to them before they did this horrible thing, maybe their life would have been different. They would have missed everything. 
Because when Jesus said it was finished, he wasn't talking about the end of his physical body functioning, was he? He was speaking something of so much broader, greater, more in depth of what he said. When he said it is finished, what he meant. And it's so very important for us to understand as believers, or if you're here this morning and you have never believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, that I pray today that, that your, hearts, your heart will be drawn to God, because God loves you, and he, and he gave his life for you so that life could be different for you, and that you might know the Father, and that you might know the Son, and that you might have eternal life. And all you have to do is just say yes. All you have to do is turn from where you're going and walking in sin, and you just repent, as the Scripture says, and you go a different direction. So many of us are, who are here today, we were walking that path, weren't we? We were walking that path of selfishness, me, 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 I, 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 wrapped up into our ways of doing things and, and our sin and our selfishness. And there came a message to every one of us one day, a revelation, an understanding. I know for me it was when I was 18, hearing the gospel and understanding it for the very first time really that I made a decision to turn a different direction. I made a decision to repent, seek forgiveness, and turn to God and turn to a, a life that I didn't dream, never dreamed was possible for me and turn to that and in a moment my life changed. That's the beautiful thing about God. The beautiful thing that I have, uh, I have experienced and we all have experienced, but we continue to experience, don't we? That in a moment, God can change things. There's sometimes that moment is a process, isn't it? <laughs> you know, and that's where a lot of faith comes in. A lot of patience comes in. But God changes it. He transforms it, doesn't he? But so if you're here today, and that's, you say, that kind of describes my life. Uh, I've never trusted upon Jesus Christ. I know about him. I know who people say he is. I want to tell you, God has an encounter for you today. God has an encounter for you today. Then all you have to do is, as Rifle was saying, that, that, that what God speaks over to you is yes. Well, all you have to do is respond and say, yes, I received that. And when you do, and you choose to follow him, I want to tell you, <laughs> there's nothing quite like it. Nothing quite like it at all. But when Jesus said it was finished, what was he really meaning? Back in John chapter 17, I don't think we have a, reference, a screen reference for this, but when Jesus knew that this time, this moment was coming, that he speaks about it even before he gets on the cross, that it's finished. And in John chapter 17, verse 4, I'll just speak it. He says, I have finished the work as he was praying, as he was with his disciples for, for, for that last time before the cross. He says, I have finished the work which you have given me to do, talking about God. God, Father, he says, eternal life is knowing him and knowing Jesus Christ who he, whom he has sent. And then as he's praying to God, he says, God, I have now finished the work which you have given me to do. And so as he cries out on the cross in that last moment, and he, and he establishes by his mouth, it is finished. What was he saying? Because if we don't know, we don't understand, we will try to finish things ourselves. We will try through our own efforts, our own strength, and our own ability to finish many times that which has already been finished, to try to earn God's love, to try to measure up, to try to just, I'm going to do things better through my own effort 
Now, I understand in responding to the gospel and doing the will of God, it does create effort. Amen? And it creates us having to do that. But that, but drawing closer to God, knowing God, understanding his righteousness is not out of self-effort, is it? But if we don't understand what he's finished, we will again and again and again, we will try to finish that which has already been done. And we will be frustrated, <laughs> and we will be confused, and it's not a happy, it's not what God had planned for us. So, so really, what did he finish? What was the purpose? I want to speak on two things today. One, what was, what was declared at the cross when he finished and what began at the empty tomb? Those two things. And then we'll have communion together this morning, okay? Luke chapter 4. Let's look back a little bit. This was at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And he had been in, I believe, Capernaum and just had amazing things happen. He had gone to the home of Peter. Peter's mother was very, very sick. He healed her. And then it speaks about that everyone in that town came out, and that evening they had, well, they had a meeting. And it talks about that everyone that came, Jesus healed. And so, so this, this is what he says the next day. Luke chapter 4, verse 42 and 43. He says, now when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place which Jesus did many times just to be with the Father. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. It's like, wow, this is great. Why don't you just move here? <laughs> Why don't you just be here, Jesus? This is wonderful, man. You know, you could multiply food. You could, <laughs> you know, you, you could raise people from the dead. You could heal. You could, this is really cool. This is really good. Just hang out here. Be here. We'll, we'll give you the golden key to the city. You will be the, the man of the city. And, but Jesus said this, but he said to them, he says, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also because for this purpose I have been sent. Jesus said there was a purpose that he was sent. And so when he declares on the cross, after the pain and the and, and shedding his blood and all that happened at the cross, how, how dark it was in so many ways. The, the, the glory in it all was that Jesus said, it's done. All that I was sent for, all that was the purpose that was, that was upon my life, it is now finished. It is now finished. I'm going to talk here about five things of his purpose that you need to understand. You need to know that it's done. It's done. It's so important because, like I said, if we don't understand this, we will try to live this Christian life through human effort instead of through spiritual empowerment. And what Jesus has done in bringing things to a finish and what was done in the, the proclamation that something new has begun for every one of us was that we could live this life by being spiritually empowered by His Spirit. Five things, I believe. Now, understand, uh, I'm going to share with you two, today two lists. that th These are not exhaustive. These are just five things that God brought to my heart. So don't think, well, why did you leave this off? Well, it's not non-important or whatever. Yeah, everything that Jesus did, everything that Jesus completed was very important. But these are just these five things that I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to bring forth today. His mission, his purpose. One, he came to reintroduce the kingdom of God on earth to man. Came to reintroduce because, because of the fall and the decision of man to, instead of being dependent upon God, that we're going to be dependent upon themselves, everything changed. Everything about what God had planned, purposed, desired, of how life is to be led, changed. And everything was about man's effort. Everything was about sin. Everything was about the law. Everything was 
having to do everything in order to somehow understand God's forgiveness. And it's about try, 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 and do, 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 and, and all these things. And, and um, Jesus came when he preached the kingdom of God. He was saying, good news, guys, because the way you have been living life was not God's heart was not God's purpose for you, was not God's desire or his design, really, of what life was supposed to be, that way it was in the garden. But he says, listen, it's coming back. It's coming back in God's kingdom. And that's what he would say, repent for the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God is at hand. He was saying, understand, realize, and know that how life has been was struggle against sin, struggle against that you you attain by the sweat of your brow. There's a new way of life coming to you. And so he began to reintroduce what the kingdom of God was all about. And so when Jesus hung on that cross, so when Jesus said it is finished, he was saying exactly what I have come to do now, it is finished. And the kingdom of God is available This way of life is available to every person, every man, every woman, every child. It is available for you that your life no longer is to be defined about the things that you've experienced in life, but there's a new definition coming for you. There's a new way of life coming for you, and I have brought it. And it's so beautiful when Jesus would preach the kingdom of God, when you tell people, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's right before you. Reach out and touch it. It's right there because I am the kingdom of God and what I represent and what I am and what I do. And he shows you exactly that. He preaches the kingdom of God, and then you witness what the kingdom of God looks like through the miracles and through the things that Jesus did and how he treated people and how he loved people, and how he forgave people, and how he poured out his mercy to people, and how he empowered people to have a hope that life could be different. And he says, this is the kingdom of God. This is what I want your eyes to be open. You're blind right now. You can't see it. Sin has blinded your eyes. Self has blinded your eyes. But there's a new day coming. And he brings back and reintroduces the kingdom of God so we can understand that and know that. So it's so important for us to know it's finished. It's finished. Sin no longer is your master. Man, we could just right there, we could just stop, and that's all we could preach for the rest of the day, and it will be a good thing. Sin is no longer your master. You know, the beautiful thing about it, not just for your sins nailed to that cross, because we think about sometimes that our sins were nailed to the cross, and they were. But the thing about it is that your very life was nailed to that cross in Christ. That's why Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But Christ within me, he enables me to live this life in Galatians 2.20 states that. So we we understand, wow, you know, sin is no longer has to be my master. Secondly, he came to restore righteousness and holiness to mankind. Listen, we were trapped. We had fallen. There was nothing that we could do good enough to be righteous. Amen? says in the Old Testament that the all of our good acts, all of our great things that we could have done are like filthy rags. That's what our righteousness looks like apart from Christ. I want to tell you, righteousness is not just doing right things. Sometimes that's what we think. You know, to be righteous, I just have to do all a lot of good things. Now, I believe that the fruit of righteousness causes us to do good things. But really what righteousness is, is the condition of our life. It's the condition of our life. It's not doing right things. It's knowing that I have been given a gift because of what Christ did, because of what he finished, where there was a point on 
this side of the cross where I would try and try and try try to be better and try to do more good things and more and be be to be righteous but always always falling short. How about you? Always falling short. Never quite getting there. But I'm gonna tell you that he said, listen, what I have finished is that because of my death, because I took your sins upon myself, I hung on the cross for you to be your substitute, I now give you the gift of righteousness. And you just need to live in that condition. That's all you have to do. Just live in that condition. And if we don't know that, we don't know that's been finished, we will attempt out of our own efforts to live a righteous life. And Jesus said, why why are you doing that? It's already finished. All you need need to know is to recognize that you are righteous because of my blood. You are righteous because of the gift that I offer to everyone in you at the place and the time of salvation. That you're no longer defined by your sin. You're defined by my righteousness. I tell you, when you you have that on the inside of you, it changes everything, doesn't it? It just changes everything. Guilt, condemnation, fear of punishment, all of those things that were there before, is gone. It's gone. And if we live in that place of condemnation, guilt, fear, we don't have to. Because it's finished. It is finished, guys. That's the good news. That's the good news of the gospel. It's finished. You never have to spend another second in your life under guilt and condemnation. Fear of God punishing you because he poured out his wrath, says he poured out his punishment upon his son because his son was there instead of us. And he's poured it out on his son so that now he can pour out mercy, grace, love upon you. Doesn't mean that God doesn't discipline us. He does, but it's always out of a motive and a heart of love. Never ever think I want to punish you. Never. So many of us, we carry that mindset with us in life. We're always, we do something wrong and we just, we're we're just, we're, we're consumed by fear that if I go to God, he's going to punish me. And so we don't, and we don't, we don't get things right and we don't repent and we don't, and all the time, God is saying, my throne is open for you. Come boldly into my throne room to receive mercy and grace in your time of need. And that's, that's the magnificence of the Easter message, guys. That's the thrill of the Easter message that I never have to live like that again. It's finished. It's finished. Something new began for me in that moment, in that time. He came to restore the Holy Spirit to man. Jesus said in John chapter 14, I believe, Jesus said, listen, it's to your advantage that I go, guys. It's to your advantage that I walk the path that I have to walk, and I will be leaving you. But it's to your advantage because I'm sending you another I'm sending you another. His name is the Holy Spirit. And he came. Part of his purpose was to release upon into the lives of every believer the spiritual empowerment from God to live this life. And that the Holy Spirit would be our indwelling presence. I wrote this down. It says the Holy Spirit is is the indwelling presence who guarantees constant fellowship, communication, with the will, mind, and purpose of God. Let me read that again. Got to get this. The gift of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, is God's indwelling presence who guarantees constant fellowship, communication with the will of God, the mind of God, and the purpose of God so that he could execute his plan on earth through the believer. See, 
Jesus had finished, which was for man, of living a life through the, through the effort of man and through, but we can't, we couldn't. No one could. You couldn't, I couldn't. But now, because the Holy Spirit dwells within me and has been poured out within my life, there is a power within me that I can rest upon, dwell upon, draw from. Now, I've, we all make choices at times. You know, no, I'm going to do it my way. And I love the Holy Spirit as a wonderful gentleman. And he says, go right ahead. Knock yourself out. Have a good time. and We'll see how this turns out, okay? We know how it turns out, don't we? It's not pretty. Not pretty at all. There's times that we make that choice, you know. But the times that we make the choice of Holy Spirit, I need you to lead me. I need you to guide me. I need you to empower me. I need you to help me. I need you to to fill me with your power and your gifts and the fruit and all. And life is sure different. Life is sure different. He came to restore the Holy Spirit to man. He came to retrain mankind. This number four, if you're following. <laughs> Hopefully you are. He came to retrain mankind, us, for kingdom leadership. Every one of you sitting here today, you're a leader. I proclaim that over you today. You may not feel like a leader. You say, listen, I don't know if I've ever led in anything, but you have. We all lead in stuff. We just don't recognize it sometimes, do we? But we all lead. But you are a leader this morning, and you're a leader for his kingdom. You're an ambassador. You're a representative of his kingdom. And the Holy Spirit is our tutor. How many of you have ever needed some help sometimes? A tutor sometimes. I remember I was taking a, a college calculus course. I just wasn't getting it, man. It was terrible. And the person that was teaching it was was a wonderful teacher, but I couldn't understand him. He was from another nation, and, and I don't know why. Sometimes I just can't. I can't grasp certain accents. Sometimes you know, is how it is. And, and, and I would sit there in class, try so hard to follow what he was telling me about how to do calculus, which, yeah, I just used it yesterday, okay? So, uh, <laughs> I, I would, and, and I just, I was, it was terrible. I was, I was not doing well in that course. So, I had to reach out for a tutor, and we would meet every week, and I would say, okay. He said this, I don't have a clue what he's saying. Show me what he's saying. And he would tutor me through it. Help me. The Holy Spirit is our tutor in life, guys. Concerning the kingdom of God, concerning how we can lead in his kingdom. He teaches us how, how to respond and how to lead in all things despite the things that we face in life. And we need to allow him to do that. So Jesus came to retrain mankind for kingdom leadership. That we are to, just as Jesus expressed to people that listened to him, watched him, this is what my Father's kingdom is like. In like manner, we should be his representatives, that as we go out beyond these four walls, that, we've, that we are commanded to go and make disciples in all nations and share the kingdom of God with them, that we should be able to, through our leadership, through our just leading in life, should be able to say, listen, if you want to know what the kingdom of God looks like, this is what it looks like. He's, he came for the purpose of showing you that. And he came to restore kingdom rulership, kingdom rule of God on earth through his body, the church. His rule of mercy, love, and grace. His rule is never through intimidation, control, anything like that punishment. His rule always flows out of a place of love. Mercy. It says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. All right. So that's what he finished. That's what he finished in life. 
reintroducing the kingdom of God, restoring righteousness and holiness, restoring the Holy Spirit to man, retraining mankind for kingdom leadership and restoring kingdom rulership, government of God on the earth through, through the church itself. All right, quickly here. Y'all not praying hard enough, okay? We've got 20 minutes with communion. Okay, you need to pour out the prayer right now, okay? Got to happen right now. <laughs> All right, let's just talk just a minute about the empty tomb, okay? I love the empty tomb. You ever thought, why, why did Jesus need the stone rolled away? The fact was that Jesus didn't need the stone rolled away. It wasn't like Jesus came, was resurrected and he's knocking on the, the hey, anybody out there? Where are those angels that are supposed to be here? Man, I got to get out of here. <laughs> that wasn't a problem for him, was it? You know, that the rolling away was for us. was for us. It was a statement. It was a statement that something brand new has begun. Have you ever gone to a production, maybe a theater production, a concert, whatever, and when the curtains open up, you realize, oh, it's getting ready to begin, getting ready to begin. When the stone was rolled away, the angels were proclaiming, it's beginning, it's beginning. All that God has designed and has finished, it's getting ready to begin for you. And how amazing is that, huh? How amazing is that? That it's not just finished, but there's another chapter. The chapter is the beginning. And that's, see, we need to know both, the finish and the beginning. So in five minutes here, I'm going to talk about your inheritance. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 through 14, I love this. Talks about there's so much in that first chapter of Ephesians. My goodness, there's so much wonderful truth. But I'm just, I'm just going to read this with you. It says, In him, in verse 11, in him also we have obtained an inheritance, the beginning, being predestined according to the purpose of him, the purpose of God, was to get this to us, who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory, meaning that we have allowed the beginning to begin within us. Amen? In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed, wow, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, that's a totally different message. You were sealed. He was your guarantee. The Holy Spirit is your guarantee of the new beginning. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, which is us, to the praise of his glory. The new beginning, the new beginning. Here's a few truths of our inheritance. We are to live life now not out of our own effort and strength, like I said before, but out of his presence, power, and nature of who he is. Because that nature of who he is is within you. When you receive Christ, you don't just receive a ticket to heaven. You do receive a ticket to heaven, praise God. You receive eternal life. You receive the full nature of God that comes and lives on the inside of you. Wow. Wow. How amazing is that? How amazing it, oh, my goodness. How many problems could that solve? How many problems could that solve in our life? To know the same nature that was in Jesus Christ is within me, within me. It's a new beginning. It's a new beginning for you. Not just to be forgiven. It's not just that, God, forgive me, okay? God, forgive me, I'll receive it. God, forgive me, I'll receive it. For some people, and I know for years, my life was just a, I was on a treadmill of just sin, forgiveness, sin, forgiveness, sin. Because I didn't realize, I didn't know. 
what had begun in my life, didn't know that that wasn't God's ideal purpose. Yes, forgiveness is there. It's always there for you and I. But God says, listen, I have purchased you. I have shed shed my blood for you. I have finished everything that needed to be finished. You were separated from God, but I have brought you near now because of my blood. And then you are united with the Father, and your sin is taken care of so that you can live in freedom. You can live in the freedom of the power of the Spirit. Thank you, God, that you forgive me. God, thank you. Thank you, God, that you forgive me. But, Lord, you want that that forgiveness to propel me into the freedom that I have in you and in the power of your Spirit. I mentioned this before to understand that part of our inheritance is that instead of striving for righteousness, we have been given righteousness as a gift. Listen, all of these things are are vital, important. Amen? To understand that the new beginning is that I am a new creation. Say I'm a new creation. For some of us, that's the first time we've said that in a long time. We need to say that every day. I am a new creation. Glory to God. Glory to God. I am a new creation. Man, the dog that used to exist, the dog that just wasn't very good, okay? He, he died. He was crucified with Christ on the cross. He died. And there is a new creation that has come forth. You are a new creation in Christ. Your old man has been crucified with Christ. What a beginning. What a beginning, man. When I think about the empty tomb, I think about the stone rolled away, I think about, wow, it has all begun for me, for you. It has all begun. Boy, it makes Easter a lot of fun, doesn't it? It makes the message a lot of fun. Man, I love your Easter hat this morning, buddy. I love it. You know, <laughs> Don't even, but Marvin, where's... Where's Alan at? Alan's got his Easter hat on this morning, too, so praise God. Two more things real quick, guys, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have communion together. Our worship team, come on up front, okay? Hallelujah. We're a new creation. The new beginning states, once again, never fearing punishment from God. How freeing is that? How freeing is that for you? How many of us live a lot of our life in fear? But perfect love casts out fear. One of the expressions of fear is the fear God does not accept me. God does not love me. God wants to punish me. I lived with it for years. And it kept me back. Kept me back from all that God said, this begins now in your life. The last thing is this. I don't know if you have ever received an inheritance before. But it's really cool. <laughs> the only inheritance I've ever received was from a man that was not flesh, that was not from my family. And I've shared about this man that many years, Cindy and I just served, loved. Everybody called him Nub. I never asked why, how in the world did you get that name, buddy? But he was lost, 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 lost. He, had, he, was a, he was a mercenary, was in the Marines for years, and part of his job was going to places to kill people. And he was so angry at God, so apart from God. 
and we were we were he was our uh, landlord at a point in that time in our life. And, and uh, when he found out that we were Christians, he he threatened us. Don't you ever, don't you ever try to bring up your religion to me. Okay? We lied. We had to repent of that. We said, okay. We may not say it, but we sure will show it. Yeah. We will demonstrate it. And he would come from time to time and knock on our front door, and he said, i got a question for you. So the very thing that he asked us never to do, he began to ask again and again. He said, I've got a question for you. We would answer the question, and we'd just say, uh, you know who loves you? I know, I know. And uh, But there came a day when he knocked on my front door, and he said, Doug, he said, I did it. And I thought, oh, my gosh, he killed somebody. <laughs> no, we need to call the police, buddy, right away. He said, nah. he said, I did it. I said, well, what did you do? He said, you know, I talked to the man. I said, you talked to the man? Who did you talk to? He said, you know the man? Well, he said, oh, God. He said, yes, I talked to God. And he said, he told God, he says, if, if I could have a life like yours, he said, I want that. And he says, I guess I gave my life to Jesus. And so he began to come to church with us. But, hallelujah. But the thing about it was that his name was Nelson Niles. And when Nelson passed away, we didn't even know he had passed away. We knew he had been sick. But we were living in a different state. And we got a call from a lawyer and said that you were included in an inheritance from someone that you know. I don't know if anybody died. And he said, Nelson Niles put you in his, into his inheritance. So that was unexpected. We don't want the, inter- the inheritance that Christ has given, brought to you to be unexpected. You need to know. You need to know of his inheritance. Not just know it, but I'll tell you, the wonderful thing about an inheritance, we can give it away. We can give it to others. And Christ wants you to receive fully the inheritance that is yours in Him, that you are in Christ, but He wants you to give it to others. He wants you to declare it to others. Share it with others of the good things that God has done in your life. Amen? Let's all stand up. If we can have a couple of our men to We're going to continue to celebrate by receiving communion today. And all that we've been talking about, what Christ has done for us, is represented in communion here. Represented in the body, the bread, his blood, the cup. It's represented in that. I want to encourage you today as you come and you realize you know, I have been living this life trying to, still trying to finish something and not understanding that it was finished and I need to receive that. Maybe you're here today and you say, listen, I need to function in the full inheritance that Christ has for me. And your statement of coming down here, receiving the, the body, receiving the cup, You're saying, you're declaring, I'm going to walk in the full inheritance of God. Maybe you're here today, like we said, and maybe you have, you are are separated from God. This is your your time, your moment, your invitation to come close to Him. And all you have to do is to say, God, I need you. God, I turn, I repent of my ways. God, thank you for forgiving me totally, fully. And I ask you to come and be be the master, the Lord, the Savior of my life, and I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you by the empowerment of your spirit every step, every step.
Father, we thank you, Lord God, right now that as we get ready to receive of the body, get ready to receive of the cup, that your body was broken for us, your blood was shed for us, that, God, that we have gone into a new covenant with you. You're our Father. We are your children, God, born again anew. And we thank you and we celebrate. We remember today and we celebrate this. In Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5, it says this. Surely he bore our griefs, our sicknesses, and carried our sorrows, our pain. Yet we esteemed him smitten, stricken, and afflicted by God. But he was wounded for our transgressions, all our mistakes. And he was bruised, or he was crushed, it says, for our iniquities. Listen. Your iniquities, your sins should have no power over you because they have been crushed in Christ. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, fell upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. By his stripes, we are healed. I pray as we receive communion today, if healing needs to take place in your life, in your emotions, in your mind, in your body, Receive the healing of God today. Receive the peace of God today because he did it for you. Amen. So if you would, you just uh, each row will come out and just come down here and receive from the, the bread. Come on.